So um, just notice how you feel and notice what it feels like to be completely welcoming to your state. And it's okay to not feel okay, to be a bit tired or tense or hot or under the weather, as they say. It's okay to feel happy or restless or impatient, whatever, whatever state you find yourself in. Let it be. Let it be. And just soften to it. And remind yourself that you're sitting in a safe space. You're at home. And you can be here just like this. Just like this. And no other way. And how does that feel? How does that feel? And this practice of mindfulness, of vipassana or insight meditation, is a, a practice of really being soft in every sense. Um, one of the great Burmese masters of the tradition described mindfulness as peripheral vision, that soft focus, not that straight on trying, but that allowing yourself to see, to notice what you don't typically notice. So I thought I'd tell you a little story instead of just lecturing. Um, a very little story. This week, this past week, was an unusual week in that I had to go twice into the city to have doctor's appointments at way uptown in Wild Cornell Hospital. So into the city I went. And I was reminded so viscerally, first of all, that it's coming back to life after this year of a pandemic when so many things were boarded up and closed. But I'm also reminded of how it felt when I first moved to New York City. And I'm from northern New York, and I was not used to it. I visited it, but I was not prepared for the onslaught of impressions I would have, the, the sounds, the uh, jackhammers and traffic and sirens, like an ordinary occurrence when you have sirens. People don't even look up, as you know. It's no big deal. And the smells, it smelled like diesel and car exhaust and pizza and garbage, this, this cacophony of smells. And I just remember feeling overwhelmed by the city and how fast everybody moved and talked and all the things that were going on at once. 
and just seemingly barely holding together. And I remember so vividly after all these decades, how it felt like anything could happen to me, anything. And it was like being in a jungle. It was terrifying. And so back to this week, I'm walking up Third Avenue, by now a seasoned New Yorker, and I'm walking up Third Avenue in the sun, and I get to 58th Street and Third, where people turn to go over the Queensboro Bridge, and I see a big black car, one of those big black cars. Welcome, everybody. You're just in time. I'm telling a story just for the people popping in about my exciting trip into the city this week, where I'm walking up Third Avenue, and I get to the corner of 58th and 3rd, and there's all this traffic, which is new, and there's a little old lady an Upper East Side lady from the looks of her, and a great big black car. One of those cars has black hubcaps, and everything about the car is black, and it's wired to be a huge amplifier, so it's it's throbbing with rap music. It's throbbing with bass. Those of you in New York know the kind of car. This car is meant to intimidate, but it was not going to intimidate this little old lady. And she starts yelling at the four men in the car. They're young and they're huge. She's yelling, you can't turn on red. You can't turn on red in the city. You can't. And they're yelling, mind your own business, only with far more rude adjectives that I won't say because we're making a podcast. Mind your own business. And then she doesn't, not only does she not shrink, she decides to apply guilt because she starts saying, you should know better. You should know this. Shame on you. And they yell, you're not even wearing a mask. And she yells, I'm fully vaccinated. And you should not be turning on red. And my heart was full of joy and warmth. It's like my family was back. New York was back. And I couldn't help but contrast how how different it felt from my first impressions of New York City, where it felt so frightening and overwhelming and unknown, to how it felt on Friday to, to hear my family, my kindred spirits in this spirited exchange. And it was wonderful to have that experience. It might sound strange if you're not from New York, um, but it was a feeling of moving from what was unfamiliar to what was familiar. To, and this is a very relational city. But my point from, from the point of view of practice is that this is a practice for learning 
to open and soften towards that whole city inside me, that, that vast and diverse population, so that I can be with what comes up with kindness, with allowing. And the other day, not everybody was here, but someone was talking about how she went to sadness. And you can feel anger. And then when you can be with that a bit, sorrow comes up. And there's a fear in us that that is the deepest thing inside. That's what we'll find, that if we open, we will sink into this kind of molten core of sorrow. Because, you know, life is full of sad things and endings and pain. But this is a practice that slowly and gently introduces us to the truth that are also met by kindness, by kindness. And there's a famous poem by Naomi Shihab Nye, before you know what kindness is, you must lose things, feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. And we know how that feels, to have a whole story dashed, a whole future. And she goes on to say, before you know, kindness is the deepest thing, the deepest thing inside. You must also know sorrow, because it's only kindness that makes sense anymore. And we know this experience, all of us here, if you've been in the grip of a tragedy or some kind of, you don't know the diagnosis or something awful has happened, only kindness makes sense anymore. Uh, she said, it's only kindness that ties your shoes or sends you out into the world to gaze at bread. Kindness that holds up its head from the crowd of the world and says, it's I that you've been looking for and goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So kindness, this quality that we we open to, of opening to ourselves, all our stuff, all of it, our anger, our unresolved stuff, our pain, that we practice opening with a kindly attitude, opens the door to what they call enlightenment. Isn't that amazing? It's like a slow dawn. 
and has not to throw in too many poets, but it's one of those nights. Emily Dickinson said, not knowing when dawn would come, I opened every door. Isn't it beautiful? Not knowing when dawn would come, you can be in the middle of the dark or in a bad mood or tired or feeling uninspired or like a fool. And you still practice this attitude of being willing to open a little bit to what's right here, to your own capacity to meet yourself, your experience with kindness. So let's sit together and take a comfortable seat. It's just starting to rain here, so it's got this wonderful soothing sound. I wish I could convey it. So take a comfortable seat and let your back be straight, as straight as you can make it. And let your head rest on your neck. And just let your eyes close if you're comfortable. If not, avert your gaze. But it's best if you can close your eyes and notice. Notice how it feels to be you right now. And see that there is an attention that's present, that is accepting. It's not thinking. It's kind. See that this attention can begin to soften the tensions inside just a bit. Let it go to tense places and just invite them to rest just a bit. And notice how it feels to be completely accepted, completely acceptable. Everything that's here. Notice that as you as you relax, as you soften, 
essence is here. Opening to a sense of presence inside and also outside. Sharing in presence. Let the thoughts come and go. And if you get taken by thinking, and you will, just notice this with kindness and gently come back to the sensation of being present in a body. and see that sensation is not separate from attention, from awareness.
and notice how perception, listening, sensing, can bring you back to presence, can bring you home. When you get taken, distracted, sleepy, just notice this gently and come home to the body. And notice that you open, open to presence. Just rest in stillness. Allowing everything to be met by kindness.
to notice that being still doesn't shut you down. It opens you so that you feel part of a greater presence, a greater life. sink into sensation and notice how this opens you. So that every part can be seen. And notice as you soften and open, you don't feel alone, but accompanied.
we remember that we're part of life. Rest in stillness, in presence, and know that you're right in the heart of life.
notice that when we come home to the body, to sensation, we naturally open to presence, open to receive. Thank you for your practice. And if you have experience about your practice or questions or observations, we'd love to hear them if you'd like to share. Yeah, yeah. Um. I've been having a very both fraught and interesting time over basically the last year and a half, but it's come to a head. Um, I had a hip replacement like eight years ago, and then my right side, left side has been 
causing trouble and you know they take the x-ray and there's there's still cartilage so they oh, we can't do anything so just kind of have to wait and bide your time so i've been dealing with this uh, kind of ongoing pain which is the thing that makes me feel the most crazy about it is irrational like doesn't i can if i sit and rest it can be hurting worse than if I went and hiked all around. <laughs> so my philosophy was it's better to move than to sit on the couch. So when I'm, and it's migration season, so I'm I'm a fairly, not a hyper birder, but a fairly dedicated birder. So it's migration season. I've been going out and just seeing what I can see. And um, because of the presence of the pain, it's been so informative in terms of this practice that I was from from the practice of, of stopping, settling back and noticing, like I'll be walking. I, I've been using hiking poles to take some of the pressure off the hip and whatever. And, um, but there's this, you're walking and it's hurting and there's this flinch response and you flinch and then you're cuts off your breathing. And so, so this is constant reminder where I, I've just, because of the time I've spent doing this practice where I have been able to sort of stop and go, Oh, <laughs> It's hurting, but I, I, it doesn't help if I if I stop breathing. That only makes it worse. So it's it's just been really uh, wonderful. So I guess what I want to do is express gratitude for the practice, both for your teachings and all all the various people who have done teachings with for for dealing with it because it's been difficult. And I get really depressed and I get feeling crazy. And, but, but there's this, like, I feel like I'm starting to develop the ability to stop, breathe and go, oh, that's interesting. Why am I holding my breath? Or if I flinch, you know, you start to flinch, you resist and then you stop breathing and, and then you realize you're doing it and you, anyway, so it, it's been extremely helpful. The good news is June 9th, I'm scheduled for surgery. I already had one hip replaced, so I know it's going to be a great gift. I'm so happy. So um, anyway, but it, it, it's been a journey and I just have enormous amount of gratitude for this practice to tiptoe me through until so i'll have a matching set of bionic right. hips i guess which is wow. good so, really cool so thank you and everybody that participates in the practice um it's 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 a gift so thank you well thank you for sharing that because first of all we'll be sure and say meta when you get your bionic hip 
and that's really cool um, to be bionic. And also, doubly, doubly, um, every single person here and not here tonight has pain. And sometimes we have chronic pain, chronic physical pain, and sometimes we have mental pain, um, mental anguish, obsession, uh, difficulties. And what you bring so clearly demonstrates that this isn't a practice for banishing pain, for banishing it, goodbye, or banishing upset, goodbye you know, welcome, or obsessive thinking, or hurt, or even ancient hurt, goodbye, you're not welcome here. We have to be calm and pain-free. This is not the practice. It's a practice, as you said, stop, and we were sharing, like, advice from the National Forest Service on what to do when you're lost in the woods, and that's when you're, like, completely taken with pain, and you stop, take stock, open to observe, just open, and and then the path appears, the P, and it's not something to do. It's that little bit of accompaniment that you can feel, that a kinder intention, that, that there's something that can meet this. And it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but you're also out there with the birds. It's like a practice for, as Einstein, this is really worth repeating, Einstein used to receive letters um, addressed to the smartest man in the world, really, just like writing Santa Claus. People would write him if they had problems they just couldn't solve. And he mostly didn't answer. But one time he got a letter from a man, head of, I think, the United Jewish Federation, whose son had died of polio. How can I go on? How can I go on? And Einstein famously wrote that we live in this world he, that we call a universe. And he, he famously said, we have an optical delusion of our separation. An optical delusion. And that this becomes a kind of prison. When you have physical pain or when you have emotional anguish, you can feel so cut off, so lonely and isolated. It's like your whole world is defined by pain. And, and Einstein said, our task to get out of this prison is to widen the sphere of our compassion to widen is so that it's not just our family or a couple of people we love, 
but the whole world, the little old lady screaming at the guys in the car that, and the guys in the car and their huge sound system and, and to open, to feel kinship, to widen the circle of our compassion. So yes, there's pain. Yes, there's sorrow. But like Naomi Shiabnase said, there's also kindness. There is accepting. There are birds. Yeah, so we're opening together. We're together. We're practicing opening every door. Because we don't know when dawn's coming. But at moments, it comes. That feeling of freedom, freedom from isolation, from separation. And we see that this lessens our pain. It becomes something shared. Like present, yeah. And I was going to say, for me, it it gave total, it's not gave, has been giving total new meaning to the idea of a walking meditation. Because I'm, I'm, you're, I'm walking and I feel this tightening, this resistance, this rejection. And, and, and I've been able to practice letting saying, oh, this is resistance. This is pushing away. That's not helpful. <laughs> so, it, so it's, it's anyway, uh, it has helped me enormously. So I'm, again, I'm just grateful for the practice. Yeah, yeah, that beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and I'm glad you shared. Thank you. And walking meditation is a great practice for everybody, even if you don't have pain. It, it's a wonderful way to meditate. I, I like what you said about uh, New York <clears throat> um, and 
the way that you likened it to one's interior world. Um, because uh, it reminds me of something that Brian Eno used to say that he found, he, for him, New York was like a, a medieval city. Everything was always, every time you turned around, something was always being torn down or rebuilt. Something was always being constructed, decon you know, taken apart, put back together again or not. Something new was coming up and you, you will turn around and there'll be a surprise stop and diversion. And that, that seems very, uh, very just to me. It's always a work in progress that um, appears to be building towards something, but then it never ends. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And um, you can see these like um, encounters that seem impossible. Mm. And these, um, you know, it just seems like a miracle that the whole thing keeps hanging together. But then these surprising moments of humor and tolerance and goodwill. And I'm not like sugarcoating it. It's not an easy place to live. And it certainly has plenty of problems. But it's such a, 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 a good way of understanding that when we're practicing, we can be with things without comment, without judgment, not surrendering to, you know, injustice or cruelty. I'm not talking about that, but just seeing, being in the midst of, like Diane was just describing, being in the midst of pain, contraction, all these things. Can, and just notice that there's something in us that can be present with that that can see it, something is observing. And that just that willingness to be with without contracting completely and running away makes something possible, a new kind of ease, of a, a, a kinship, a sense of, like Einstein was saying, we begin to see ourselves in a wider way. And notice that we've gone from the painful isolation of thinking that we're only partially acceptable. Yeah. Like some of us, is, we're acceptable in, unless they saw that or unless they knew about that. But instead to learn that we can draw closer with kindness the way you would to an animal and let that angry part or that frightened part or, or that weird part in our opinion, let it draw close. Let it be here. I just want to add that it, 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 as you were saying that, I, I just thought of the fact that driving in New York, driving a car in New York, and in my case also riding a bike in New York is something that if you've never done it, when people come to the city, you know, who've never experienced it, 
and they see people driving, like, oh my God, how could you possibly do that? And then with riding a bike, I have triple that, you know? And well, you know, once you do it, you do it, you're just living with constant movement and constant chaos, surprises. Yeah, true. You're in the thick of it. And one time I had a car that had these dents in it, big dents, and I was like fearless. It's another metaphor for practice because the car already had dents. So I'd be like side by side with a Ferrari and I'd be like, you want a piece of this? You know, like... (laughs) You know, who do you think cares more about their pristine automobile? (laughs) So it gives you a certain, like the word in Buddhism for uh, equanimity means to be in the thick of, to be in the thick of it. And that this is a practice for like being in the thick of it. So pain is here and then fear is here. And then we see ourselves posturing inside, you know, puffing ourselves up. And it's like thing after thing, person after person after person. It's like the streets of New York. And can we just be soft and embracing of the whole of that with this intention to come back to sensation, to take our seat. Um, The Buddha would talk about taking our seat in the center of the city in one of the sutras. And he's in the center and there are all these gates. And so we're seated, we're settled. And we can let life come in and open to this quality of awareness that we call presence that grounds us and truly opens us to a greater sense of connection, not just a sense, a greater connection to life. And we remember that we really are not alone. And we really are more than we think, more than our personality. Just coming back to the rhythm of the breath. We're connected to something as ancient as life itself. At any moment, we can drop into the heart of life as the painter Agnes Martin once said, they asked her why she moved out of the city. She said, there's no more truth anywhere than there is right here. It's here. And together, we practice opening to receive.
So uh, unless someone has a question, we could um, complete our practice with metta for a minute or two, and which is a practice of sending wishes of loving kindness to ourselves and to other beings. And um, tonight I want to include uh, Gary Dan, the father of our friend Mark, who died last week. And if you wish, you can think of someone who may be suffering. And it can be you or someone that you want to send wishes to. Um, just let your eyes close and come home again to sensation. Because we see that this isn't really doing anything different than our practice. We bring ourselves to presence. And offer the wishes, may I be safe and protected. May I be well in body and mind. May I have all the resources I need to support me in my thriving. May I be free. And we let this, this wishing just radiate out of us like natural warmth. And we can offer it just to all beings without thinking of anyone in particular or offer it to someone in particular you would like to send love to. And we use we, may we all be safe and protected from harm. May we be as well as we can be given our causes and conditions. And may we find ease and support and belonging. And may we, inside and outside, be free. 